Blog Talk Radio. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. You know what that sound means, Mikey? You know uh, what dude? that sound means? Go ahead. Do I need to put the, the phone, phone down? down? I need to talk to I America. I need to put the phone down. All right. Okay, America, we're getting ready to play the secret word. America's funnest new game show. The secret word is... Breakout. Breakout. Okay, Mike, you can come on back. Come on back. Mike, let's 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 try this. Mike. Hello, yeah, Mike. Yo, there he is. Okay, Yo. Mike. We uh, we just announced the secret word to America. Every time that word is said, America gets to take a drink. So uh, we get to catch up with you, buddy. Good deal, All man. Right, everybody, hey, hello. You know. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, Mike. Well, yeah, the, the one Mike thing I was going to say is, can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. Everybody can okay. hear you, man. This We've started off with a one star out of ten. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Well, the one thing I was going to say is that, you know, all these game shows and everything like that, you know, at least it's not Wheel of Fortune or uh, Jeopardy. You know, Jeopardy, when people are watching Jeopardy, they're like, oh, crap, man, I feel like a real dumb, you know what. And uh, when they're watching uh, Wheel of Fortune, it's like if they guess the first, I mean, if they guess it before any of the three contestants, they feel like they freaking split the atom, you know? It's like, oh, Wait a I minute. nailed it. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> but Wait anyway. A Which show God. are you saying is better? You're saying Jeopardy is better than Wheel of Fortune? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying the people that watch Wheel of Fortune feel like they're freaking geniuses because they they nailed the question before anything or they nailed the answer before everybody else. Well, yeah, if, if, if Wheel of Fortune is on your TV at the house and you are not uh, competing with the rest of your housemates, you know, to be the first one, to, then you shouldn't even be watching it. It shouldn't even be on yeah. your television. That's, that's yeah, it's, easy, it's, 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 the, it's the freaking easiest game in show business. That's why. Oh, you would, you would get you would get destroyed you would get destroyed at our house. Trust me, my friend. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red vs. Blue <laughs> Friday Night Football. Wherever you may be, thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the World of High Stakes Fantasy Football Special FF Toolbox Breakout Show tonight. Help FF Toolbox the cast here uh, select the 2014 breakout player. As you know, uh, last year we we swung and missed on the breakout player. We swung and missed, and we chose we chose David Wilson. Uh, it was probably the biggest bust in the history of all time. But we're back and no. ready to go for this year and, and doing a much better job. However, Mike. However, 
we did name our skyrocket running back. This was back, if you remember, in our May show. And in our May show, we had the ADPs coming up, and we, and we said on this show, our skyrocket back is Giovanni Bernard. The fact that he was being yep. drafted in the you know, eighth or ninth round, and, and people were saying, look, he's just not, not going to get enough carries with, with Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis. Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis is going to get the 200 carries. He's lucky to get 150. You know, they were not ready to give Gio any love. Well, look at where he was drafted, and look at where he performed. By the time September came, his ADP is skyrocket. So we did nail that. We did whiff on the breakout player. But we plan on hitting it this year with your help and the player's help at home. Uh, 347-324-5404 is the number. We will take calls tonight uh, to get your vote for the breakout player of 2014. And I've assembled a, a, a pretty nice list to, to pick from. And I've even added to it uh, since I've been looking at it. But I'm going to read off the list here at home just so we know who the show is about, Mike. And then we will debate the merits of these players throughout this show tonight, okay? That's kind of that the way good. the show is going to work. Uh, so starting at quarterback, a couple of names. You can write these names down at home. Uh, the names we're going to discuss are Colin Kaepernick, Andrew Luck, and Jay Cutler. Kaepernick, Luck, and Cutler. Some of those names may surprise you. We're going to talk about those tonight. Uh, the running back list is a long one because obviously the running backs uh, is usually where you're – either the running back or wide receiver is usually your breakout player. Rashad Jennings of the New York Giants. Monty Ball, now you know the Denver Bronco lead back. Shane Vereen, maybe it's his year. Andre Ellington looks like everybody's darling, dang it. I uh, wish everybody was not on him. I'd feel better about taking him. Ben Tate, Ben Tate. Bishop Sankey, the rookie, Bishop Sankey. A name we really like, Kerry Robinson. We're going to talk about him tonight. Toby Gerhardt made the list. He is now the starter in Jacksonville. And then the wide receivers, Corderell Patterson, Michael Floyd, Brandon Cooks. Terrence Williams, Emmanuel Sanders, and one more name that I added to the list, Andrew Hawkins. Andrew Hawkins. Uh, I'll tell you why a little later in the show. The tight ends that, that made the cut, Jordan Reed, Ladarius Green, Zach Ertz, and Dwayne Allen. Now, Mike, if you know FF Toolbox, we like to name our breakout player no later than the 4th of July weekend. And that right. gives us about a month to get this list down from where it stands now, which is what, uh, 14, 17, 21 names, down to one. So I think that name is on this list. We just have to find the 20 that we need to remove. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. The the, uh, the names on the list, Scott, it's uh, just finding, you know, fine-tuning and uh, figuring out which one. And uh, tonight's show, I guarantee it's going to help out quite a bit. All right, uh, this show is brought to you by our good friends at fftoolbox.com and full-time fantasy. The Fantasy Football World Championships is accepting applications. A record year for the May Madness growth, Mike. Uh, we have, uh, I think, another six drawings to do uh, this weekend. I was called out on business this week, uh, but six drawings to do this weekend, and I think wow. we have one more to complete after that. Uh, just to fill up that round out that last 20. You always have to let that last 20 fill as well. And so there's going to be another six drawings this weekend. We're going to give away six more main event teams. That's really exciting. You can sign up now at playffwc.com and get your $200 deposit down. We'll lock in your spot for the Fantasy Football World Championship. We do expect to sell out this year. That's pretty exciting in just our third year. 
We also have an exciting announcement about the Roto Bowl, the 10th annual Roto Bowl tournament. We, if you have noticed, we have not accepted signups, and the, the the emails are getting a little overwhelming to answer because every day somebody wants to know, did it sell out already? Did I miss it? Where's the Roto Bowl? And we do have the live Roto Bowl signups uh, because it's part of our Vegas events, and we want to make sure that people are booking their travel can go ahead and sign up. But for you drafters that are thinking about drafting the Roto Bowl online, and I know there's a lot of you, and you're going to draft multiple times, uh, you want to be patient because there's a very nice uh, surprise coming for your way if you choose to play in this year's 2014 uh, 10th Annual Roto Bowl Tournament. Mike, I know you played in it last year. You played in the live events. You did very well. Uh, good for you. And uh, we're going to do it again this year. Uh, and, you know, the prizes are, uh, have been amped up, and it's going uh, to be a much better thing than even last year. And then I want to announce, finally, the Dynasty Football World Championship. Uh, it's amazing. Every day I, I wake up and I see more orders for the, for the Dynasty Football World Championship. It's like this, it's this, it's this thing that everybody just gravitates to. They want to try Dynasty. It's a perfect price point to give it a try, $2.99 to play. If you play Dynasty, the D- Dynasty World Championship gives you a chance to become the first ever Dynasty King of fantasy football. That's the person that scores right. the most points in a three-year period. It's all about who's the best over the long haul. Not, if, not just can you win now but can you win over the long term? And so the Dynasty King will be crowned in year three and then every year thereafter. Uh, but it's two ninety nine to play, and there are only two leagues left. We, we sold out our last available opening, and we, we said we would uh, only go up to 288 teams this year, and we have I, two leagues left. That's it. Yeah, Scott, Scott just to expound on that, uh, how many leagues are there in that? Because that's really become a uh, quite a uh, – Quite a quite a thing for the FFWC. How many leagues and uh, and how many teams are in each league? Real quick. What do you, What do you mean? How many teams are in each league? These are all twelve man leagues. What What do you mean? I mean, how many leagues do you have going uh, with that with the uh, dynasty thing? Uh, there's again, there was 144 teams in year one. Okay. Uh, and year two is 288, so max of 288. So wow. we have two more leagues to go, so that's another 24 teams. So we went from 12 leagues of 12 to now 22 leagues of 12 with two more to go. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. I mean, for, uh, for people that want to be a GM, you know, to own their own team uh, for years on end, and, uh, you know, that, that's just that's great stuff to do, and uh, you might as well take advantage of it. I'm just communicating with the chat room here. Uh, there's a guy in the chat room, Henry Muto, wants me to answer questions, technical answer questions about his software while I'm running the show. Uh, Henry, if, I, if you can wait until I can uh, get done with the show, then I can get you answers uh, about the technical issues that you may be having on the show. But it's funny, you know, they got, they got me here. And they, I'm here for you, man. Just give me a chance to do the show, and then I can talk to you about your technical issues. It's kind of hard to talk and type. Uh, at the same time and carry on a show. But we will get to you, my man. Uh, thank you to everybody that is in uh, the chat room, the crew here, some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football, fantasy assassins, electric relish, Henry Muto, IPS driver, kick and base, urinal mint. And I have a caller from the 248. So let's bring in the caller from the 248 because we are taking votes for the 2014 Breakout Player of the Year. 248, who are you and where are you from? Uh, it's got spread. Brad, Brad uh, calls up the show and he identifies himself as Brad. So Brad, welcome to Red versus Blue. Brad Where are you calling from tonight? 
Oh, the Detroit. fantasy assassins, Brad Cruz. Well, <laughs> that, uh, everybody. I didn't know you knew another Brad. We how did I we you, we only could know one Brad in the world of high stakes fantasy football man what are you talking about jeez there's only oh, one Brad uh, Brad <laughs> you're, you're, Brad is uh has a had a lot of success in all the levels of fantasy football I think the one thing that he's missing is that coveted world championship uh, banner in, in in Jersey and I, and I'm and I know you're taking another shot at that this year uh, Brad who was the 2013 fantasy football world champion. Glenn Lowry. Man. See, everybody knows, yep. Mike. There's nobody I ask. Yep. Everybody uh, I ask knows who the 2013 FFWC champ is. That's pretty cool. And that's why you want to go after him, right, Brad? I I think I'm 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 due for a world championship. <laughs> well, what's going to get you way, on the man. top? Yeah, I, I, you know, out, out of all these uh, breakout players, Brad, um, I mean, Scott laid out a bunch of them. There's uh, – there's quite a few. Uh, so, uh, what's going to get you over the top? What's what's going to get you to the top of the heap and uh, beat Glenn and uh, the rest of the group? I think practice, practice, practice. Yeah. So, got to do a lot of satellite leagues prior to the big event this year, and yep. uh, get the strategy refined. I think uh, didn't do a lot of rotable uh, FFWC formats going into Vegas last year, so. It took a couple of leagues to to get it under a belt, and we we wound up winning, I think, three of the leagues or something. Uh, but uh, had some injuries going into the the playoff run, so I think 14th was the highest we finished. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and you actually started rolling in those uh, the draft master, the drafting goes. It was like the last the last three of the season that we had ran. You were. I remember pulling it up like this is week 13 and week 14. You were like at the top of every single leaderboard. Now, of course, in our draft and goes, it's not total points all the way. So that does kind of make it a little bit more challenging, and it's not just a runaway type format. You do have to actually perform in the playoffs too. So that's, that is the world championship format. And that, I think that is a twist that, I, you know, whether you like it or not, it's, it's the way our draft and goes work. But I remember there was a time that there were like the last three or four leagues we ran on the year, you guys were dominating at the top of the list. Yeah, we, we actually, I think at one point, we were in first place of four of the five leagues we, we played, but then we won the cash in, in just three. Um, so, yeah, we had, we had some pretty good success. And, and those were the actual ones we uh, practiced on going into Vegas. But uh, there was a different class of, of drafters in, in Vegas that threw us for a loop. If you didn't get a running back by, or, I'm sorry, a wide receiver by 3.1, you were kind of out of luck. Yeah. Huh. Well, help us help us narrow this list down. You don't necessarily have to give me who your breakout player is because that's difficult for anybody, right? Uh, but we have a list of 21 names here. Are there any names on here that you could just help us cross off and say that's not your breakout player? You heard? Did you hear the list? Because I, I don't yeah, think and you I think you've got it in the in the message board too. <laughs> I, I think I would cross off Dwayne Allen. Okay. I think you'd cross too off many other down. targets. Why would you there cross off that, I think there's too many other targets, both at tight end and uh, on his team at wide receiver, uh, to say that you know he's got top three kind of tight ends written all over him. I like him. I think he's better than Fleener, but there's there's probably too many uh, too many people challenging for targets on that team. Do you think there's a chance, uh, a chance, or, or a good chance that he outperforms Kobe Fleener in his first year back? 
Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I would put him, if he stays healthy, I think he, he will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's I, I think, gotta, I think, I think he's fl- got a chance. Yeah, I think he'll be on the field more often than Fleener since he's a better blocker. Um, so they'll give him more opportunities. I think in both their rookie years, I think Allen was the better player. Well, let me oh, let me ask oh, you this yeah, no real question. quick, uh, Brad. Um, would you, uh, if if Kobe Fleener was put in Dwayne Allen's spot, would you uh, consider him as a breakout player? No, I, again, I think they're they're going to have close to equal targets. I think so. I, I think they yeah. take from each other, and, and plus you have Ty Hilton, Reggie Wayne, Hakeem Nix, and, and others that are also targets for luck. So I think there's too many mouths to feed there. Right. Yeah, looking at the 2012 numbers, you got to remember Kobe Fleener didn't even get a chance because he he was a late star- arrival to the camp of Colts camp in 2012. But you're right. The snap count was overwhelming uh, to Dwayne Allen, 925 snaps to 461. The next year, Kobe Fleener plays 16 games and only gets 836 snaps. So that's interesting that the offense didn't involve Kobe Fleener as much as it involved Dwayne Allen in the first year. So that was a, that was a kind of interesting stat that I saw. And uh, look, Kobe Fleener didn't drop the ball much last year. Uh, his targets per game 5.3, receptions per game 3.3, yards after catch. Uh, 4.8. Yak. Uh, his, yeah, the yak. Now, Dwayne Allen, in his first year, his yak was 5.5. Pretty good number. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yards per reception, pretty equal between those two. Uh, completion percentage for the times they were throwing to Dwayne Allen, 70%. 70% of the time. That's a pretty high number for tight, for any tight end, 70%. So uh, if he can do he that again, probably more red zone looks than, than Fleener, too. Yeah. I mean. I would think I, I would I would I, think red I like zone, him, but but I think his his ceiling is is too low to uh, to project him as a top three tight end. Yeah, gotcha. That that makes a lot of sense. Uh, are there any other names on our list that stand out as somebody that you could say, you know what, guys, you could eliminate that name and it wouldn't be hurting my feelings any? All the others are really nice sleepers. Um, I think Kyrie Robinson is, is going to have a similar problem. He had one target last year in 75 rushes. Mm. So mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. figure he's going to be involved in the passing game. You have Pierre Thomas, who's got like 85, 89 targets last year. So mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine Robinson's going to be used enough in the passing game to make him an RB1 candidate. That's good stuff. Mike, do you, what did you think of Kerry Robinson in the playoffs? He seemed like he passed the eyeball test for a lot of teams and what seems like the New Orleans Saints because they didn't do anything really. They, 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 they shipped off Darren Sproles, and now it's this uh, right. three-headed beast between Pierre Thomas, Mark Ingram, and Kerry Robinson. And, and I think the only one that has proven that he can catch the ball uh, out of the backfield is Pierre Thomas. He catches a lot of them, but, man, what, do you, what did you think of Kerry Robinson's first year? Yeah, you know, I like uh, Kyrie Robinson quite a bit because uh, the fact that uh, he was given the chance and he really uh, proved himself. And so, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be a definite, definite uh, viable uh, option for uh, uh, New Orleans, uh, Drew Brees, because let's face it, they want to bounce back. This team did nothing like what they expected to do last year or wanted to do last year. So this year is, I think it's it's their year to uh, bounce back and uh, 
Robinson's going to be a. I think I think will be a huge factor in part of it. But but if you look at Robinson, you say let's say you give him 200 carries, five yards a carry, and 10 catches. You know how many how many points is he going to give you? Is that a weak mm-hmm. RB two number? Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It would. I think. Well, I that, think, that, that, I that's think a Robinson. Definite, that, Go ahead, ahead, Mike. No, I, I was just going to say I don't. I think that uh, Kerry Robinson needs a little bit of help, probably. And Pierre Thomas hasn't been one to be a picture of health. He had one season where he played right. 16 games. Two surrounding seasons. Um, uh, well, as far as how many games he started, I mean, obviously he had Darren Sproles there, and that was kind of the starting back. But will will Pierre Thomas be given a full workload? I mean, it's, no, that's I, what I, surprises me. I, it, it's almost like a three-headed monster situation, right? Yeah, so the question really is, is with Lance Moore and Darren Sproles gone, that's like 180 targets in the passing game that are now available. And, you know, I think the early look says Brandon Cooks and Kenny Stills pick up the bulk of those targets. I, I think Pierre Thomas is still going to get his 85, 90 targets but I can't imagine he's going to pick up 30 of those. You know, he might get a, a tick up. Um, you know, but I'm think, guessing do they don't come Robinson, out of the backfield. Yeah, do you think that Robinson didn't catch the ball because they had Sproles and Pierre Thomas? Well, I mean, with, with them gone, do you think he doesn't have the ability to do so? I mean, obviously I think he needs to see a, an improvement in that area. But he seemed to me, what, six foot 220, right? He should see a pretty big uptick in carries and – he has a good chance if they if he can uh, work on his receiving skills. Uh, I'm not I'm not convinced yet just by the limited time that I saw him that he's not going to catch the ball. Yeah, so I um I it's hard to say, right? So if you look at the New Orleans running backs, you know Sproles had 95 targets and Pierre Thomas had 82 targets, and then like Cadet had three targets and Robinson had one. So so when when they were riding, you know, Robinson, why wouldn't they had a similar – if they were going to use him in the same playbook as Thomas and Sproles, you would have thought he would have had a much closer targets to rush ratio than than he had. So he seems more like Mark Ingram who's going to right. grind it between the tackles. Now, you know, they, um, they said they likened him to Curtis Martin, who was a good pass-catching back, but it, it, we didn't see it last year. So that's why mm-hmm. I – I, I uh, pause, I guess. That's why I love having you on the show, Brad. Man, uh, fantasy assassin Brad Cruz. I'm not going to let you go that easy. Uh, let, let's let's go. Let's keep going on this list here just a little bit since we have you. We're going to use you. Let's talk about a wide receiver here that uh, doesn't make your cut: Corderell Patterson, Michael Floyd, Brandon Cooks, Terrence Williams, and I added two more on the list. Andrew Hawkins and Emmanuel Sanders. Am I crazy for putting Andrew Hawkins on this list? No, I mean, someone's going to have to catch passes in Cleveland, and if <laughs> Josh Gordon's not there, Hawkins is as good as a choice as anyone. Um, and, you know, he seems to work out of the slot. He had flashes of, of special ability in Cincinnati, but he, he kind of stayed hurt there and, and didn't really get his opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I don't know that I'd cross off any of those guys. Um, you Mike, know, I, Andrew, Andrew Hawkins Andrew Hawkins is a guy that uh, we didn't see a lot of, but when we did, he, he seemed impressive. And he reminds me of one name, 
and the whole situation. And, and, and again, it might not be anywhere close to the career. If he could have half of the career of Wes Welker, I think I'd be, you know, really shocked. I mean, he's five seven. Okay, he, Hawkins is five seven, one eighty. But when he touched the ball, especially early in his career, in in two thousand and twelve, I was I came away I came away impressed. You know, I came away as as somebody man, this this kid has some skills, and it didn't seem like he really did get it rolling in 2013, which, which had been the year, and he did have injuries, right? He was, he was injured the first half of the year, and then he came back, and he really was never in the groove. Marvin Jones had kind of cemented himself as the, the other go-to guy. You had Geo and Tyler Eifert. You had everything going for the Bengals. The Bengals are just loaded. And then you see Cleveland come after him. And Cincinnati, at first, they were going to match that offer, right? And then they decided something. They said, you know what, we're not going to match it. And it was like Cleveland got the guy that they wanted all along, and they didn't address wide receiver in the rest of the draft, right? You would have thought that they would have really came strong uh, after a, a wide receiver, but they didn't, they didn't come strong, you know. They, they didn't come strong after wide receiver. And knowing what they knew about Josh Gordon, I mean, you, you're now looking at Earl Bennett, Miles Austin, and Andrew Hawkins, and a potentially banged-up Nate Burleson is leading the way here. So – Something about Andrew Hawkins makes me feel like he could be a really surprising player and at a super discounted value. Like, how late is he going, Brad? Do you even have any idea? I haven't even, I haven't even checked or scoped an ADP on Andrew Hawkins. Is he even being drafted? Uh, I, I, I was in the magazine draft last night, and I want to say he went in the 15th round or something. Okay. Wow. Okay, so he is on the radar at least, yep. Yes. That's some good value, though. I mean, you know, if you're correct in what you're saying, Scott, I mean, that's some uh, – that's some great value, uh, you know. I, you know, I got him on one of my uh, dynasty leagues, and I wouldn't expect it, but uh, you know, might as well. That's why you hang on to these guys. That's why you're a GM and you're dynasty league. So, um, got a question for you on a quarterback you might be missing. All right. Yeah, let's hear it. So you have Andrew Luck on there. What about RG three? Look, I, I wanted – I put RG3 on there when, when our first discussions came up with our writers uh, and our staff here at FF Toolbox. I kind of got blasted that they said he, he does not qualify as a breakout because his first year was so good. He's already had yeah, his quote-unquote breakout right, year. He, he finished like right next to Andrew Luck that year, right? Uh, RG3 in, in his rookie year? Yeah, aren't they? 2012, he finished seventh overall. Luck, Luck finished tenth. Yeah, I guess you could say that Luck shouldn't be on that list either. But Griffin, Griffin was actually higher than that until the injury. Uh, when and Cutler 15, has, 16, has he was, a top five. Yeah, has a top five finish under his belt. Yeah, he was he was right there. I agree with you on RG three. I think his value is going to be outstanding. By the time Vegas hits Brad, I think he's going to be one of those guys that is taken right after the big names. Uh, and here's why. I mean, it's a real simple explanation, and I said it last week on the show. I mean, how many other quarterbacks can you think of that have two top-performing, uh, probably top-20 wide receivers and a top-five candidate at tight end? Now, we have, we have Jordan Reed in, the, in our top five, okay? And so that, he's mm-hmm. obviously a breakout candidate for us if he stays healthy. He's, he, he reminds me of the job at best, the concussions, and is the only thing that's going to stop this kid from really flourishing as an NFL player. And he's not a guy that I would own in Dynasty for that reason, but for redraft, I'd absolutely take a shot on him. Uh, but how many other quarterbacks can say that they have two top 20 wide receivers and a top five tight end? If you do that, 
I mean, aren't you? You're you're guaranteed. You're a lock for a for a top eight quarterback, aren't you? Throw in six hundred yards rushing and five rushing touchdowns, and I'd, I'd oh. say so. Um, yeah. What's their offense going to look like? Is it going to be a lot like Verzon's um, offense offense last year, or is it? Well, that, that's a good question, back? Mike. Mike, do you, do you uh, know yeah. uh, any anything about Sean McVay? Well, for, first off, I'm in the min- minority here. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, RG3 as far as being a breakout player. He had his breakout year. Uh, he's fragile, done, finished through, in my opinion. So uh, I know he's going to have some weapons, and that's going to help. Uh but in that division and what he's going to be going up against, I'm I'm not sold on RG3, none whatsoever. So, in my opinion, he's not a breakout candidate. So, so I guess I'd argue that if, if you're not sold on him doing well, then he is a breakout candidate. You may not vote for him. Um, like <laughs> Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees are not candidates because everyone agrees they're top three. No, I, the, the only thing I'm sold on right now is uh, – uh, the fact that you know, I need I need good wide receivers on a good quarterback team, and RG three has not proven that he can throw the ball. I'm just I'm just being straight up simple. He he has not proven he can throw the ball. He can run, but he can't throw the ball. Does it matter that he can't throw the ball? It does to me. I mean, I wouldn't. For being an NFL quarterback, it does. But for being a fantasy quarterback, does it? For a fantasy quarterback, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, because he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. He's going to go down. It, it will eventually happen and never fails. Is that okay? If you yeah. want. I mean, like, so let's say he plays eight weeks for you and it's the top two quarterback for eight weeks, and then you go get yourself another one. Kind of a diamond. Or diamond. you back him up, yeah. Back him up with Cousins, yeah. Dude, I'm 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 really fascinated by what Jay Gruden and Sean McVay are going to do with this offense, and it just has this air of let the players play, right? That's that's what I that's what I get out of this. I mean, he's a 27 year old kid. I mean, right? McVay, he was. They always talked about his work with Chris Cooley and Fred Davis, and and then he got his chance with Jordan Reed, and look what he did, and now he gets this role as the offensive coordinator. He just it just feels so big to me that this kid is going to. And I call him a kid because I'm 39. But it seems like to me it, it's it's a it's an opportunity to let the players play. I mean, I think you're going to see a really big year out of the Washington offense. I, I I'm predicting good things I'm, for the entire offense. And and very and I'm not an Alfred Morris guy either. But I got to tell you, with where he's being drafted, and and I know Corey brought this up on the last show last week, with where he's being drafted and what he brings to the table, 1,300 yards, probably nine touchdowns. I don't know about the receptions. He's he really not a big reception guy, but the value, I mean, it's like you're getting a Marshawn Lynch-type player up with, you know, that type of ability, but you're getting him much later in the draft. What do you think about, uh, what do you think about Morris, Brad? Um, I named him my fantasy flop. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but but it's, it's, it's uh, I guess it's because of, I don't think, I, I think they're looking for playmakers, and so I think, be it Roy Hallou or, or one of the other backs who might be more dynamic, uh, they're going to want to mix in similar to how they used Ben Jarvis and Gio Bernard last year. Mm-hmm. And so, so instead of getting 80% of it and just settle for, for mostly the rushing game, uh, where he's going to be touchdown dependent, 
and the non-course volume of carries dependent. I'm concerned that he's going to get as much action this year. And I, and I look for another back on that team to pick up a, a good piece of that. Wow. Oh, very, very are you inter- talking about a little, talking inter- about a little Lake Seastrunk here maybe, something a little electric? Uh, possibly. I don't know. But I think there might be a a, a pass catching back on that team that um, – you know, could could pick up a uh, like say a Gio Bernard role, not as big as Gio's role, but um, that that kind of thing. Maybe he gets you know thirty, forty percent of the carries or, or touches, and and gets the bulk of the of the targets. Here's the one thing, and I well, tend to agree with you. Here's the and, let me, and I'll I'll give this to you, Mike, right after I'm done. But here here's uh, the one thing that well the two things that I keep coming back to with Alfred Maris. For first of all, he is being drafted in the third round. The end of the third round is where this guy's going, right? Okay, that's number one. That's a pretty good value if he, if he does do even what he did last year. Number two, for a down offense, the offense was down, right? RG3 was not himself. Uh, they had Pierre Garçon. They had a little bit of Jordan Reed. But, but for the most part, it was a down offense. I still look at Alfred Morris and what he did on a bad team, 4.6 yards per carry. It's pretty impressive. I mean, the year before, 4.8, and the offense was really rolling. But 4.6 on a bad team, that's like a glimmer of hope. This is still a young kid that was drafted in the sixth round, and now uh, you know he's still here And as the starting running back, starting tailback. I don't think you can call him non-electric at 4.6 yards per carry. That means there's a lot of nice runs there, even when you have the, the two-yard stuffs or the, the three-yard stuff. There's still a lot of nice runs there to get to a 4.6 yards per carry on a bad I mean, Washington was a, wasn't very good last year. So I just I yeah, so came back to that Scott, yards per carry. Mike, you know, ahead. Scott, you bring up hundred carries. Sorry, go ahead. No, no that's all right, Brad. Uh, you know, he, he brings up a real good point uh, as far as the uh, yards per carry. and But how, how many opportunities does he have? How many opportunities is he getting? Um, he, Alfred Morris is not getting last enough. Year, three, 335. He, he's 276 not carries last year, dude. 276 carries. How many other backs are getting 276 yeah. carries? Yeah, but, yeah, but under the last two years, right? Roy Hallou but, averaged but, but, uh, 4.4 yards per carry. Okay, not not much difference on on the on the carries that he had. 4.2 the year he had the 150 yards and looked pretty decent. He had, he was a reception monster. He did uh, did have reception. I do like Roy Hallou. Now, if you're saying yeah, that, Lake Keystone's going to come in and be, be electric, maybe that's the case, you know, because he is. But Go ahead. What were you saying, Brad? Yeah, so I, I think that's the key is will he get that volume? Because the difference between 12 and 13, you know, he had, of course he had 60 more carries in, in 12, um, but he also almost had twice as many touchdowns. So if he's, if, if he's not going to get that volume because they're going to mix in another back, you know, then he's going to be very reliant on touchdowns. And, and and it's a Marshawn Lynch game, right? Which, which Lynch has done well, but he, but he had like 30 catches last year too. So there he, he was getting involved in the passing game a little more. Uh, so yeah. uh, so well, hey, if a I guy agree. is not catching passes, I, I try to stay away from him. It is. It's very tough. It, it becomes the Sean Green syndrome, you know, syndrome or whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, yeah. it's not a player that you really want to go after. And, yeah, I, look, I, I totally get it. I'm not a, I'm not a guy that uh, usually goes after the non-PPR guys. And but at the end of the third, and if that guy slipped to the fourth round, I'd be like, man, I would be. It would be very hard if I'm at, you know, the ten pick or something, and, and he comes back around at four three, and there's still a starting running back there. I'm not convinced that he's still not going to get that 275 carries, and even then, some. It's still a young guy. 
but he, and they didn't really do could, anything but, in the draft. But but he put in 186 points last year, right? That's not too inspiring. With with, with no, all that I, volume. I, yeah, a top 20. He was number 20. So. He's being drafted right now a little bit higher than that. He was RB20 last year, and he's being drafted at RB14. So you're thinking he needs to slip more around the RB20 range. But, again, down offense last year. Will that offense look anything like it did last year? And that's the question that I think everybody's asking because, it'll, you know, it'll look, be more, you don't it'll have be more Kyle explosive. Shanahan. Yeah, yeah, it'll be more explosive. Yeah, no, 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 more, no, no more Mike that. Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, okay, uh, Let's move on to a um, – we, we, we covered a tight end. We covered a quarterback. Uh, we covered Kerry Robinson. Let's take a look at uh, – oh, and we also covered Andrew Hawkins. So are there any other names out there that uh, you, you would like to uh, spark a discussion about? Um, how, about, would, uh, how about Andre Ellington? Oh, oh okay. the buzz name. <laughs> but, uh, so this, I haven't for, formed my final opinion on him yet. Uh, he's electric and uh, loves him in the passing game. It seemed like last uh-huh. year I had him on a few teams, and it was so frustrating that they wouldn't give him a full-time gig. And All right. are they ready to make him a full-time running back, or or, or is he another Gio Bernard, where where he'll 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 be a high points per uh, per touch guy, but but a low touch guy. Mike, I'll Man, give I think you, buddy. I, yeah, I think Andre is. Uh, it, it's his deal this year. Uh, it's his deal this year, and uh, they're going to give it to him. Uh, however, the, the running back situation is so uh, difficult to figure out right now. I mean, I think Brad, uh, you would agree, and uh, Scott, I'm sure you would too. Uh, the running back situation is so difficult. Andre Ellington and Rashad Jennings, you know, I circled them. As soon as you brought up Andre Ellington, I circled Rashad Jennings because these guys are both in the same boat, and it's going to be a very difficult situation on when you want to draft them, how you want to draft them, and how much of a big impact are they going to make on their teams, respectively. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I personally think they're both going to be uh, very uh, impactful. I think they're both high-end running backs uh, that will, you know, make make big impacts. But uh, it's kind of a crapshoot. So, so all uh, the running Brad, backs you have listed. Yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, give me a name of a running back that um, has been really impressive uh, over the years. Somebody that, you know, you really have respected as a fantasy producer. Give me, Give me the name of a running back. Yeah, other than Adrian Peterson, or <laughs> hey, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, no. let's, let's yeah, let's let's look at Adrian Peterson. Uh, okay. he is the he is a consummate professional, right? Every year yeah. of his career, every year of his career, he has averaged at least three yards after contact. And he's one of the rare breeds. Now, if you look at any of the other backs, let's say Arian Foster. Okay. Yards after contact for five years running, 2.2, 2.6, 2.5, 2.2, 2.1 last year. Eddie Lacy looked super impressive, 2.3 yards after contact. Jamal Charles, the last three years, 2.2, 2.2, 2.9. Even Giovanni Bernard, real good looking back, but, you know, again, after is he going to get drugged down? 2.3 yards after contact. Everybody talked last uh, Frank year Gore. about Joyke Bell. 
uh, we can we can talk about Gore. Uh, Joyce Bell was the guy that everybody talked about last year as the as the player that if you look deeper into the numbers, this guy's going to be a beast because his yards after contact was 3.0. It hit that magic three mark. Yeah. Frank Gore never had one year in his career over 2.7 yards after contact. Now, when you wow. brought up Andre Ellington, people think small back, scat back, that kind of thing. His yards after contact on 118 rushes, 3.1, right? So he has – he's very elusive, very hard to drag down. Exactly what you said. They need to just give him more carries. And what we're hearing is – and Bruce Arians is already talking it up in hyperbole, we know, but he is going to get a lot more touches. And he's going to be very hard to bring down. That's just the way he's built, the way he runs, and he catches the ball. He's like Nirvana, right? I got him in the magazine draft a week or two ago at 3-1, and I was like, I'm taking him here because he's not going to make it back to me. I got the one pick. So you either take him at 3-1 or you don't get him in your draft. That's the thing. I mean, how, how attached can you get to a guy if there's a guy that you really like? And I love Ellington. But I think he's a guy that could be primed for a 60-catch season and, and 200 carries. And every time you put those numbers into the model, He's a top ten back. Yeah, if, if, wow. if they're going to commit to him, you know, he's Charles like, right? Um, so, so yeah. So I, I guess I, you know, I'm just now starting my preparations, and I guess I haven't formed an opinion whether I think they're going to really commit to him, or if they're going to give it to him like so, he pukes, like they did C.J. Spiller last year. Yeah, Mike. Well, ahead, I'll Mike. tell you what. So uh, pretty much, Brad uh, Scott. Uh, both of you. So if you're on the clock and you have Rashad Jennings and Andre Ellington, you're going Ellington, pretty much. I'm I'm going Ellington. Yep. I, I Mike, think Ellington Brad, what about you? safer than Jennings. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He's well, probably look, got more Jennings, upside. Yeah. Um, there, there's there's a the risk that Jennings not the guy, right? There doesn't seem to be a risk that Ellington's not the lead dog. Right. Yeah, you have David Wilson still there recovering from injury. Uh, they did bring in a very powerful red zone running back in Andre, uh, Andrew Williams. Andre, Andre Williams. And, uh, look, they still have the Bruiser and Peyton Hillis. They've got some weapons there. When Arizona, the only thing that I need to know about Bruce Arians and his commitment to Andre Ellington is one thing, Jonathan Dwyer. That's it. That's all they did for the Arizona offense. You're, yeah. you're kidding me, right? And, and you, you have Stephan Taylor, but Jonathan Dwyer, that's it. So they know what their game plan is going in, and it's to improve uh, with that offensive line uh, that made improvements, and they're going to have Andre Ellington running the ball because he can do it all. And uh, let's talk about another Arizona Cardinal before I let you go, Brad. Uh, There's another player on this team that that a a lot of us here at the Toolbox staff, we feel like we were early a year on him, and it sort of happened late in the season, and that's Michael Floyd. He still finished with a 1,000-yard season, and it didn't feel like it. Of the two receivers – that both played 16 games. Floyd had 1,000 yards. Fitzgerald did not. Fitzgerald was still the red zone target, had double-digit touchdowns. But Floyd came away with less targets, 107 targets to Fitzgerald's 129, and came away with more yards. His yards per reception at 16 is sickening, right? That's insane. Uh, so talk about uh, Michael Floyd and what you, what you think of him. He does drop the ball a little bit more than Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, so it, it's it's hard for me to say he's a better receiver than Fitzgerald. I imagine some of that is due to who's who's covering who, um, who's getting yeah. double coverage and stuff. But it's also hard for me not to think Floyd could end the year with more fantasy points. Um, 
he's the the younger receiver, so you know another year in the offense should make him you know smarter and uh, more you know, comfortable in what the side adjustments are and uh, working under Fitzgerald's tutelage it should help him with with the drops. I I like Floyd a lot. Mike, I'm going to ask you the same question: seventy less snaps, seventeen less receptions, twenty two less targets. He ends up with almost a hundred more yards than Larry Fitzgerald. What does he do this year? Man, I, I like Floyd. I, I really do. I, I mean, I've been on this guy for a long time, so uh, I'm just going to go with him. I, I'm going to ride with him and uh, see what happens. It's high stakes ADP. If you pull it up at FF Toolbox, you can you can pull up all the players and you can look for the differences between the high stakes and the regular. I kind of like that. I want to do more with this tool and make it more user friendly. Uh, but right now, he is the 26th wide receiver off the board. That, that's, am I reading that right? The 26th wide receiver off the board is Michael Floyd. Uh, and he performed, he performed as wide receiver 27 last year. It just doesn't seem like people are even catching up to what, what they saw last year and what they're going to see this year. Now, a lot of that, I'm sure, is on Carson Palmer, right? Yeah, And uh, Carson Palmer has a lot to do with this entire offense. You, you still think, Mike... Palmer has something left in the tank to get. I do. I do. I mean, I, I love what he brought to the table last year. Uh, I love the way he spread the ball around as well. you got to remember that, man. He's a seasoned vet, and uh, he knows uh, he knows how to spread the ball around. And uh, Michael Floyd uh, and uh, Fitz and some of these guys, I mean, they understand that. So uh, that's why uh, Floyd's going to be uh, so spectacular this year is the way he spreads the ball around. Brad, I'm, uh, you know, usually uh, when I when I was in the championship game a couple years ago, and, and we um, we called up, I was I was having a dilemma, and I was trying to figure out Reggie Bush or or, um, or Stephen Ridley, week 16, who am I going to start in the championship game for the real time sports championship, and and uh, I had to um, Ian and I were sitting there, and this is the this is the year that Matt Bailey won his championship at the FFWC. And the, the, that weekend, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I can't decide. I can't make up my mind. And I, I'm like, let's, let's ask some of our guys. And we, we, uh, he hits up Rob Zarzicki, and then I, I think we hit up Kimra. You know, a couple, of, a couple of names was right there, and they both said Bush. Start Bush. And I was like, bam, we put Bush in, and then all of a sudden he looks fantastic. He does great. And I said, we take that for granted the ability to talk to some of the best players in the world and ask them for advice and it come through. We need to do more. We need to share this with the world. And that's what we did with the FF Toolbox preseason pro last year, where we had six of the best high stakes players uh, in the world, providing their picks and, you know, helping people out with their comeback and bust picks before their drafts. Give us another name here. Your, your most logical. I know it's early. I'm not going to hold you to it, but this is Brad Cruz, the fantasy assassins pick for the month of June. 2014. What name on that list stands out to you as the breakout player of 2014? So if I go a little harsher on breakout, meaning you know uh, a guy that um, uh, you you know that you don't have to like pay your first four or five round money for, because um, uh-huh. a lot of these guys. Are, are pretty well thought of. Well, a lot of these guys are third round and third round now, and, and sometimes even second, but they're going to give you maybe even top five production. That would be a breakout in my yeah, mind. Yeah. If they're second round, they're yeah. going to be top five. That's a breakout. And that's certainly a good value pick. 
but but a guy on this list who's going maybe in the back half of the draft, who could be a top twenty wide receiver, is Emmanuel Sanders. Mike, I agree. Emmanuel I agree. Sanders I mean, gets, he, a, gets a new opportunity. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, setting up as long as he keeps Latimer's role contained. If he gets mm-hmm. the same number or close to the same number of stats as Decker, um, why wouldn't he be a top twenty wide receiver? Decker was right. top ten two years in a row, right? And Sanders certainly has a lot more speed. Not the red zone target <laughs> Decker is. Yeah, I totally agree, Brad. And it's funny because I always talk about situations on the show uh, about players being put in certain situations. This guy is being put into the perfect situation. And if you can't if you can't succeed in this situation, then I'm sorry, you can't succeed in the NFL. This guy has an opportunity to excel big time. Yeah, and he, and he yeah, handpicked that team too. Yep. Sorry about that. You know, it's interesting. When you look back at Eric Decker's numbers and with what the improvement that he made with Peyton Manning from the 2012 season to the 2013 season was phenomenal. It was still 1,074 snaps, the same amount of snaps, same amount of receptions, 15 more targets that he turned into 220 more yards. Touchdowns actually came down a little bit. Uh, it was his yards per reception that improved from 12.5 to 14.8. His yards per game went from 66 to 80. His yards, his yak, his yards after catch, from 3.4 to 4.6. And his drop percentage from 14.1 to 10.3. So a lot of things happened for Eric Decker. Decker improved. Same opportunities from one year to the next, but Decker improved. So the question will be, what kind of improvement will we see out of Emmanuel Sanders? He is now a guy that's the 62% guy. Can he get up there and, and, be, and, and show the type of improvement that Decker did? His yards uh, per reception are at 11. Can they get up there into that 14 or 15 range with Peyton? I think so. Uh, and his yeah. draw percentage has been very low every year, under 10%. Those are good numbers for Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Brad. Yeah, I agree. Um, look at Decker under with Orton versus Tebow, though, too. So if you isolate it between those two, I think Decker was breaking out under Orton. And then when Tebow came in, yeah. you know, there were problems. Um, but there's no question, Manning improved everybody in that off. Yeah, I saw a 20% drop percentage for Decker in the year with Tebow and Orton. And his completion percentage, as far as the, from his targets, 48%. Uh, a lot of issues with those balls from Orton and Tebow. But he then Peyton comes in and he starts completing 70% of the catches that come his way. Uh, that, that starts to become, you know, pretty impressive. But, again, it had a lot – there was a lot going on with Decker becoming more valuable. And Peyton, that has a lot to do with Peyton putting it right there where it needs to be. And I think that, that Sanders is walking into a, a ripe situation. And when you look at his ADP, yeah. I'm a little shocked. I'm a little shocked that, that players aren't picking up on Emmanuel Sanders just the the sheer opportunity alone, regardless of right. anything else. I mean, he's he's coming off as wide receiver thirty eight at pick ninety. Does that that doesn't even make sense, right? I, 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 I agree. He was wide receiver first two last year. <laughs> I you know the first draft I did was last night and. And to me, just the feel of it, so I'm still really cold on ADP and 
and haven't looked at every player yet, though Sanders jumps off the page a little bit saying you know, he's got a big opportunity to jump. Uh, but in the draft, it seems like, you know, you get those elite wide receivers off the board and, and then the elite other positions as well. And then people are, are kind of picking away at, at the rookies and at the running backs who are in committees or might get a role. You know, everyone's trying to, to attack the weakness of the draft because wide receivers are so deep that, you know, all these other wide receivers that have big potential tend to get deprioritized because you already have four on your team. And and so I think there's a lot of value late in drafts. Like Greg Jennings went real late in the draft, and he could be the number one target in Minnesota, and he was drafted as like a wide receiver seven or eight. Um, you know, I think he's past his prime, and you don't like the quarterback situation there, but he's going to have targets. So, so I, And I think Brad Sanders Cruz. is kind of caught up in that wash. Yeah. Brad Cruz, one half of the Fantasy Assassins, calls up and joins us for the Red versus Blue Hour. Thank you so much for calling in, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, Can't wait to me. see you in the draft rooms and, and see who you start uh, see who you start drafting at the FFWC. Thanks, buddy. All right, great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, thanks, Mike. All right, Mike. Uh, awesome, awesome, awesome call. Awesome really kind of really yeah, really kind of setting me straight on my uh, on my Kerry Robinson level, level a little bit there. We didn't really get to talk about Jay Cutler either, and the reason why I put him in the list is really simple. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellus Bennett, and Matt Forte. I mean, does it really have to get any more complicated than that, or less complicated? When you when you combine when you combine Jay Cutler's numbers and Josh McCown's numbers for the for the 2013 Chicago Bears season at quarterback, they finished as the if you combine their numbers, they finished as QB three, QB three. Now you yeah. take the quarterback and the ADP where they're being drafted now. And I'm not saying draft Jay Cutler as the third quarterback on the board because he's not that reliable. Right. But he, he's being drafted as quarterback 17, okay? So there's a big difference between if Cutler is playing 16 games with this offense and these guys, uh, there, there's a good chance that Jay Cutler is a top-five quarterback at season end. And, again, isn't that what we're looking for out of our fantasy drafts? We're looking to take the quarterback late. It's another year with Aaron yeah, Cromer well, as the offensive coordinator. He put up monster numbers for the quarterback, 4,400 yards and 32 yeah. touchdowns in his first year taking over for Mike Tice and Lovey Smith. So Cromer and, and Tressman have got it going. Exactly, Scott. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm thinking uh, when you were breaking off those names. Uh, is there any reason to uh, draft Jay Cutler any earlier than sixth, seventh round? Go ahead and get those position players for him and then grab him up. You know, yeah. it's just I, – I really think that uh, this year's draft, of course, you know, we're only talking about, uh, what, June 6th. I, I still think that this year's draft is going to set up about the same way as last year's. Grab the running back early and then uh, get, your, get your wide receivers, your tight ends fill in, and the quarterbacks are going to fill in about uh, around, uh, what, 6-7? Well, I will never say to draft your running backs early again, especially with Henry Muto in the room. He proved us wrong. Uh, wide receivers <laughs> can win you your league, especially when you nail the picks that he did later in the draft. Yeah. But I will say this. Jay yeah. Cutler is the most under – he will get – if he doesn't get my breakout player uh, award, he's going to get my uh, most undervalued uh, uh, player uh, heading into this draft because he is the guy I that won't. I will target all day, every day. He's not the exciting name like Andrew Luck or RG3 or Nick Foles that I would like to have anchor my team, 
But I'll guarantee you this. I won't be missing out on anything with Jay Cutler in my lineup. I'm not going to get excited about it every week, but I guarantee you that with those weapons, he's going to put you up 20 points every week. I mean, that's what you need. Yep. And uh, you know what? I, I, and I appreciate that. And I'm going to go with Rashad Jennings as my breakout player this year. Because wow. Tom Coughlin, he likes people that do that go about their business. And I, I really think Rashad Jennings is going to be my breakout. He's my breakout player this year. Yeah, I can't I can't blame you. I just wish there wasn't so many other so much so many other competition for carries there. He is definitely it, it, a back that I can there, there, see getting 250 carries. He's a back that's a dual threat type of guy. I could see him getting 40 catches, 35 or 40 catches. Uh, Mike, there's after, really no after reason. We, after, after week three, there will be no competition. Yeah, no, I, I totally I Look, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Yep. I, mean, I think Rashad Jennings can be a top 15 running back, okay, uh, with yep. potential to be top 10 with the right thing. I mean, he's got to get in there with the – He's got to get in there with the DeMarco Murrays and the Gio Bernards, the guys that I think are going to be, you know, top ten. But he has just as much potential to get right up there and compete with those guys, especially if the Giants – look, they made him their guy. They made him their guy yep. when, when, when he came in. He's a, he's a little bit older, a little bit more mature. It's not a young back. I know Coughlin's going to like that about him. And I'll bet you that yep. whole Giants team is a little bit better than what we've seen uh, in the past. That's for sure. They can't, they can't be much worse. Uh, when I look at this, this Mike, I, I look. I, I've, I've said it over and over. If if there's any way that Andre Ellington is not our breakout player of the year, I'll be very shocked because of the way I feel about him and some of the rest of our team at FF Toolbox. Uh, we just feel like we're, we're we're witnessing a very special player emerge. Uh, Michael Floyd. The only reason it doesn't feel right is just because of Carson Palmer. Uh, I'm not really worried about Fitz. I, oh, Fitz is great, but I, I know that Floyd is is, is mass talented. Uh, so it's between for for me it's Ellington, and then the other guy's name that I really like as a breakout candidate because I don't want to give you Monty Ball. It's just his ADP is way too high as it is. He's already being drafted at the end of the first, early second. I don't want to give you Monty Ball. Uh, hey. Shane Vereen is another guy that people huh. seem to forget forget about because when yeah. he was there, Legarrette Blunt sort of came in and solidified his role there and cemented it for that. And, and you've always got Belichick there. You don't know exactly how he's going to treat Shane Vereen in any game. But what I saw was pretty simple, Mike. He came in week 11. He came in week 11 in, in, in his first game. Well, he had that first game week one and, and got hurt. with his. It was a wrist, though. It wasn't a knee or anything like that. And he still ended right. up with 47 receptions. 47 receptions. Doesn't get enough carries. But with LeGarrette Blunt gone, I think he's going to get those carries. Even if he gets 150, he's a 90-catch type of guy. 90-catch type of guy. So looking like Darren Sproles, that would be a very nice player for a breakout for me if he can get more carries. But that's all I got on that, Mike. Hey, that sounds great, Scott. And uh, I want to appreciate Brad for uh, calling in and uh, being a great great oh, guest, man. That's that's pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, Andre Ellington, Rashad Jennings, uh, breakout players, you, name on down the line. It's it's a lot of fun and anticipation, man. Tomorrow, California Chrome goes for the impossible, the triple crown. We will see you guys next Friday night on Red vs. Blue. Don't forget to sign up for the draft and go this Tuesday night at 9 o'clock. We'll see you next week here at the FFWC. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent.
Please join us next time.